Welcome to the Bull Hope Podcast, and uh, I don't know what episode this is. I think it's episode somewhere in six or seven area, but uh, today it's always brought to you by Custom Built Guns, Custom Built Firearms Manufacturing, right here at the Bullet Hole. Whether at the range, at home, or in the field, it's custom built for life. Today I am privileged to have with me here, Mr. Bill Regina. Uh, Bill teaches some classes here and abroad. Abroad, uh, <laughs> uh, And some of you might recognize him. So, Bill, great to have you, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Glad to be here. Um, well, get with what, man, you were a cop for how long? 29 years. 29 years. And all in KCMO? Most of it. Most of it in KCMO and then north of the river. Right. So, you've, you've seen it and done it and... A lot of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a lot. Not as much as some, more than others, yeah. yeah. You started out in the wheel gun days, probably. Yeah, 19, 1980, we started out with Smith & Wesson 4-inch revolvers, yeah. Six yeah. shots. And then when did you move, finally? To- Kansas City moved to uh, semi-automatics in 92-93. They went to, uh, the FBI adopted the 10 mil Smith mm-hmm. & Wesson, yeah. went to that. And then they didn't like that for whatever reason it was, didn't work out well, and then they went to the Glock, to the Glock 22. Wow. And you never, so then you never made it back to the change of the, of the to the back to the nine mil. No, they didn't start the nine until yeah. a few years ago, where they gave them the option to go back to the nine, where they're at now, or, or, or where you go. Yeah. We last department we were still we were doing nines. Yeah. Man, I didn't know you did the ten mil here then. Did it for wow. about a year. You had uh, when the, when they came out when they first came out. Yeah. Um, you did, uh, it was it was a special edition gun, had your badge number on there, and the, the KCPD badge engraved on it. was in stainless steel. Wow. And then uh, and then we went to, uh, that lasted for about a year. They did, pay, they did payroll deduction. It was a great deal. <laughs> and um, and uh, then we went to, then they went to the Glocks after that. They got away from the double action, single action guns, and, this, and then and went right to the No, were you able guns. to keep that gun? The, the ten, yeah. The ten, mm-hmm. Yeah, still got it. The Holy Grail, man. Yeah, it is the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people believe that's God's caliber, but I, I don't know. Could be. Could be. <laughs> all they're all his caliber. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. No, and so then when you retired from law enforcement, did you transition straight into instruction? No. Or? So so how it worked was um, when I when I left the Kansas City Police Department and went to this smaller department um, up north, up in West in the Platte County area. Mm-hmm. Um, the area needed a firearms instructor, and, and they figured since I came from Kansas City, I, I must know something about shooting. So uh, they sent me to some schools, which I was fortunate to go to, and then I started to learn stuff after that. So no, in 1997, we started teaching a class. Um, basically, if you look at it now, it was the concealed carry class we teach now. Mm-hmm. We taught to off-duty officers and concealed carry for the them, because there was nobody teaching anything back then. So we, um, post was still in its, not infancy, but it was still kind of, rough around the edges so it was it was working with that um, we made it a, a, a class where they could get credit for it see used um, but we did a four-hour class on how to carry your gun off duty some real short shooting courses close in because everybody back then was doing two-inch revolvers that's all that was out there oh, wow. so everybody's shooting smiths they're shooting yeah. five shot smiths you know sure. or rugers sp101s or something along those lines um, so we made that a course for them how to carry their gun holster everything was leather you know there was no kydex out no appendix carry, everybody's carrying a strong side hip. Guys were still using shoulder holsters, you know, they were using, uh, you know, Mill Sparks rigs, they were using, uh, you know, Galco, Miami Vice rigs, all the stuff out there now. Um, and then, then when 2003 rolled around, when Missouri adopted concealed carry, um, that's when we started teaching the classes. So we started up at, um, um, used to be Clay Como Guns, north of okay. the river. Yeah. Uh, we started up there. 
and we taught there for a couple years. And then we started teaching. We started we started doing a lot of classes. We were doing a lot of people. I mean, the first the first month that came out, I took off work because I was smart enough to do that and figure it out. There's a money maker. I took off work the first month from the police department. I took my vacation, and we probably did 500 people in the first month for Missouri for CCW. Oh, we were wow. teaching classes every day. That was the demand. Um, this is an 03. It's 03. Um, and then we started doing Cabela's. Wanted us to teach mm -hmm. there. Their instructor left, so we taught there. And then we finally worked our way around to here about 2007 when Kansas stopped at CCW. Yeah. Yeah. So we started teaching them here. We we're still doing Cabela's. Um, we were doing the Cabela's in Wichita, and we just—it just—I just took that course, added what the state required, and and made it my concealed carry course. And then, mm -hmm. then we took our post courses, which we were teaching from '97 to 2003, '95, and the rifle classes. And it was the beginning of the rifle time for police officers. You know, we had guys using everything from well, our first rifles we had up north the river were M1 carbines, 30 cal. Oh wow! So we started with those, and they were great guns to shoot. By the way, <laughs> fine guns, great guns to shoot, and. Um, and then we went to ARs and we were teaching for the Sheriff's Academy up in St. Joe from Missouri Sheriff's Academy. Mm -hmm. So we, we started their first rifle program with cadets at the academy. So we slowly evolved classes out and that, that made it available to us. So when we started doing CCW, we had something else to offer people and that's what we had. Wow, man. So you, until now, how many years then? Mm -hmm. This is 2020, so. We started teaching in people classes in 2003, general public classes, law enforcement yeah, so in 95. 17 years. Yeah. Of civvies and then 25 years of cops, still doing them. Wow, that's a it's a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. I was talking in class the other day. And I said, "Ma'am, we've been doing this. I've been a cop for like 20 some years. I think 1980. No, that's 40 years. Yeah, it's a long. Yeah, it's a long time. Wow. Yeah. No, and and then it did you guys of course had patrol shotguns? I'd say 870s. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then on into the carbine world. Uh, and everybody to, went to ARs. You know, yeah, you know, Bushmasters yeah. were back in the beginning, real hot and heavy because yeah. they were easy to get to. Colt was out there a lot, um, but you know, it depended on the department. Some some provided them. Like if you went to Buchanan County, you you ended up Buchanan County was actually carrying at the time they were carrying Benelli's and HKMP5s. Yeah, they wow. they, they had tons of money apparently yeah. somewhere. somewhere. And then they went to then they went to they got rid of their MP5s, trade them off range. We were teaching out up north. Um, and they ended up getting uh, uh, ARs. Hmm. So they went to ARs and then they still had the Benelli shotguns and then A70s, whatever they were using then. But yeah, everybody had, it was it was different back then. It wasn't as, you know, everybody's got the same thing now kind of style stuff. I bet yeah. everybody was just throwing stuff against the wall to see what they wanted, yeah. um, you know? I mean, we had guys, you know, we had, uh, when the when the 5.7 came out, the FN, yeah. I had a couple of departments north the river bought into that whole way. Oh, really? They're, they're still running 5.7s, the FNs, for pistols. Huh. Um, you know, and they adopted the carbines too. So it's yeah, it's, it's it was all over the place back the first ten years around two thousand. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, it's really interesting how the, the whole gun community or whatever you want to call yeah. it has, has evolved. Oh, a ton. A ton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the last, I mean, you've seen forty years worth, and I mean, or more. And uh, I mean, this it, it's really fascinating. Oh, it is. But let's uh, we'll take a break yeah, first, and and we'll get that on the other side. Just kind okay. of chit chat about how right. how that's uh, how it has evolved okay. over the time. All right. Welcome back to the Bullhole Podcast. Back here with Bill Regina, one of our instructors that frequents the place, and uh, we were just discussing uh, what, over the last forty years plus uh, some of the evolution in the gun world, and 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 you came from being an officer for 30 years you said 29 we'll, we'll, we'll call 30 we'll, we'll buff it up and call it was it probably 30. 60 years of real lifetime <laughs> but 
but yeah. it, it is interesting uh, you know in that world when you when you look at now we've gone back to the nine yeah. you know g17s everywhere when you look back over your time i mean if you had your rathers if you said man if i had one gun out of all my service time that i could go back and say or just today and i'd be like that's the gun i'd carry hands down um you know we 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 started out with with six shot revolver smith and wessons with bullets and loops on the belt and if Mm. you want speed loaders you had to buy your own because they wouldn't give them to you and, and really yeah and then when you went to investigation since I spent 10 years in violent crimes you got a two-inch revolver but no holster so you bought your own holster you're um, kidding me and you bought your own holster and then everybody's doing shoulder rigs back in the 80s and 90s because Miami Vice we all wanted to look cool and we were yeah. wearing, you know canary colored suits and all kinds <laughs> of stupid stuff um, man you know I, I there was a time in my life when I carried when I when I left Kansas City I was carrying a six-shot 357 revolver, yeah. and I really liked that gun a lot. It was a Ruger. It was big. It was heavy. Had great sights on it. Had a great trigger that a buddy of mine worked on. Man, I really, if I was going to go back, if I had that one gun, I know I like the Glocks. I like my 48, and I like the yeah. 17. I just really liked that gun a lot. It felt well in the hand. Man, you know they just the, the speed loaders just fell right in there. It was just cooler than all get out. Security six. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and and it was just it was a fun gun to shoot. And uh, yeah, I, I'd go. I, if I had no problem carrying a gun and I just had to have one, I'd probably take something like that. I'd take a big four-inch revolver, GP100, <laughs> big Smith or something. Yeah. And that's interesting. I mean, you know, you, I look at Clint Smith, for instance, mm. just pull him out of thin air. The dude's been doing it for 50 years, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And he still packs around an eight-shot, yeah. you know, 1911. And us young guys, you know, he always makes fun of having a bucket of bullets underneath mm-hmm. there, you know. I mean, as you as you look at the gun community today, do you think? And I've noticed this amongst. I mean, you know, you know Chuck Hager, mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and and well, Buck Petty Gordon, some other friends of mine, and they all carry smaller capacity firearms mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. And even Buck teaches snubby stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I've always found that interesting. My mm-hmm. my grandpa was a cop too, and, and back in the wheel gun days. And I, in fact, have his one of his service pistols that was handed down to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Do you think in in your all's minds that said? Well, maybe I don't. I don't want to answer the question for you, but that that that's enough. Six rounds was enough for me. I think you know. I think with gun choice, with anything, whether it be number of rounds or type or where you're going to carry, I, I think we. We try and put ourselves into a system too much sometimes of what we want. Mm. I think I think you need to be totally not system related, and you need to look at your environment. So, so what is my job? What do I do? Where am I carrying? And my mom, I, I know you can say one gun fits all and Glock fits that for everything, mm. but I think I think people that have a little more experience in in being out there and seeing what's going on are 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 not smarter. That's not the word. Um, they're in tune with how things work with bad guys, and they understand that, hey, my ultimate goal is not to go anywhere at all. My goal after that is to get out as quick as I can, not get in a mm-hmm. protracted gunfight. Um, I, don't, I, don't buy into the, I don't buy into the two-inch snubbies enough and that's all I need clan. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I don't think, 
if a guy wants to carry 15 rounds in a Glock 48, since I zooped this up with the aftermarket mags and, and, the, and, the, and the mag release, mm -hmm. it doesn't cost me anything to carry more in terms of weight, hiding it. You know, I'm a little pudgy guy, so I can, yeah, I can hang it here. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's just personal choice. I, I like the connection with the revolver because mm. the gun has character to me. Yeah. I like the double action trigger press. I like being able to go single action. I, I like being able to pull the trigger as fast as I get can and get a positive response from the gun. I mean, I actually feel it in my hand. Mm. I, I know the difference when I'm shooting a revolver for a semi-automatic. It just feels different. I feel connected to it more. Plastic is plastic and it's cool and I like it. And, and, and everybody shoots it well. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's a functionary thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have it. It's here. I don't need to clean it much and I can go along my way. I think 1911 guys are the same. They like that heft, they like that single yeah. action trigger, they like that safety, that grip safety feels in their hand. And that's what I get from a revolver. It's not whether I just need that many or anything else, but I, I, think, I think it's enough. I think for most people, um, you can get by with what you can get by with in most, in most cases till it's not. And, and then what do I do? So I balance out what's my chances of getting into something really bad nowadays especially all right <laughs> since things have ramped up a lot yeah to to hmm, maybe maybe I, I should carry some more maybe that's enough i mean i just had i, I so in looking back at the, the history of things yeah. and shootings we started doing this class for civilian shooters or the general public because cops are civilians i don't care what you say they're civilians they are part of the general public that was the whole idea behind police we were taking care of our own right we were we were part of the community it's not like a military type thing um so, so since 2003, I've had 20 students involved in shootings. Now, half really? of those are cops, half of those are cops, and half of those would be the general public. Okay. Three of those have happened since the beginning of this year, which is amazing, because usually it's about one a year. And three so far. Just had a call last week from a, a, a wife, student of mine, mm -hmm. husband, her husband and son got involved in shooting. They're uh, behind um, Research Medical Center, 67th and Rock Hill. Guy tries to carjack him. Um, passenger, not the dad, takes a round through the jaw. Mm -hmm. Son opens up the back door in the van. They're, they're, they're modeling type guys, concrete, construction guys. Son takes a round through the thigh, up through his groin, into his, mm -hmm. into, his, into his gut. They return fire and kill the guy. She calls me up. She's in Virginia. Her dad's at hospice. She's taking care of him. She goes, I need some help. I don't know what to do. So I gave her the number of an attorney I use. Call him, he'll tell you what to do. But it seems like the tempo has ramped up lately. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I like a six shot, I feel more comfortable with 15 <laughs> right now. Yeah. And it may be just, just my pulling my own chain or whatever I'm doing, but I do, I do, I I, I just like it more. I probably, if I was gonna carry a revolver, I'd definitely carry a speed loader, I'd, I'd carry two. Mm. I'd carry one in my ankle and one in my body probably somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in that, with it's, you know, hyped up with civil unrest that we got right now. We're yeah. in August 2020 as we record this, but um, actually September. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're my thinking. Fine. I know. Yeah, it's I'm going fast. Yeah, good night. Um, but we've seen, you know, some crazy Not stuff. Crazy stuff. I mean, some yeah. really crazy crap go down. But, I mean, and in your experience, going from that wheel gun and the rounds, I mean, you ended up, you said the last service for, you know, was, was 40 cal. Yeah. What's the, you know, everybody wants to know the knockdown power. The knockdown power. For the I like the 357. I think it's a hot smoking round. I think it does a really good job on everything. I mean, everything I've seen, you know, Chuck's the guy on that stuff. But everything I've yeah. looked at on, on auto glass and penetration through stuff and 
I, I think the 327's got like, a lot of good stuff going for it. I think, I think if you get in the right platform and you practice shooting it, when there's still some available, which there is now for 327, I was thinking the other day, he still has stuff for sale over here. I thought, maybe I should start carrying my wheel gun again, because I can find 327 <laughs> all over the place. Isn't that weird? That is weird. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's a, it's a good shooting around. It's got plenty of oomph to it. You know, it's, it's transferring that stuff over, whatever you want to believe it is. I, mm -hmm. I have no problem with it, sure. I, I, hunt, mean, even, I hunted with yeah. one for, I, wanted, I had a 686, uh, six inch. And okay. that's what I deer hunted with for, for well, and I know I sold it, but uh, I love the handgun. I oh, yeah, kind of have it. That's a great I'm going to go back to a 10 mil to there handgun hunt with. Yeah. There you go. A lot of people do. I think it's a big uh, thing now. There's a lot of guys doing it. Yeah. Put maybe an yeah. on, on RMR or something on mm -hmm. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, I, you know, the 45, of course, everybody says, it's, you know, it's like a thing in some yeah, kind of miracle laser beam that's going to knock people hand. in their yeah, butt, exactly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know is that's, I mean, the 9 mil has come a long way. It has. I mean, back from silver tips that you guys maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> silver tip, black talons, those were always yeah. good. Whatever they had, a Ranger T ammunition, I don't even know if they're still making that anymore, but whatever they had out, yeah. yeah. I mean, it has come a ton, it's come a ton of ways, yeah. I mean, what do you carry now? Me? As far as the carry ammo oh, goes. Oh, HST Federal. In 124s or um, 147? 147s or Spear Gold. Yeah. If I can get one of the two, yeah. that's the way I go. Great. I'm um, great rounds. So yeah. In fact, I carry yeah the uh, the 124 plus please. I, mm -hmm. I found to be nice, and then I have some 147s as well. Uh, they do a pretty good job yeah. in in the jelly. I don't know mm -hmm. what they what they do in other things, but yeah, I, you know <laughs> that's the other thing. You know, there's so there's the human body is so resilient. So, yes, and, and so non non homogenous. You know, yeah. it's we're even though we're alike, we're not we're not alike. There's different. Different places, different wear. Right. We're we're ninety nine percent the same, you know. And um, I don't know. I think you just need to practice a little bit and put them on target and let the chips fall where they may and be really fast and really efficient. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about that in the next segment okay. about your philosophy, maybe of teaching stuff. So okay. we'll be back right after this. Cool. I'm Lyle Cadell, media manager here at the Bullet Hole, sitting here with. Kind of a legend in our in our, in our state. His own mind. Don't tell my wife that. Yeah, yeah. Bill Regina. He uh, yes. He's a in Johnson County. Yeah. A legend. We, we've uh, we, we've been <laughs> discussing some really interesting stuff. Now, as you've again seen a transition in all kinds of different things. I mean, there's you know transition quoting combat or warfare, if you mm -hmm. will, in, in the civil world, the civilian world, yeah. as well as in the elite world. Mm -hmm. um, how has even your philosophy of training folks, mm -hmm. not only LE, mm -hmm. but the civilians changed in, you know, 17 years doing civilians, uh, how's it changed and what are you teaching now that you didn't teach then or what are you just, I mean, is it all it's the same? Hey, it's the fundamentals, man. Fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Yeah, you know, so so coming from the back, I mean, I came from a LE background, 100%, right? So yeah. so when I started doing this gig in 93, started going to go in these classes, right? I went to all the classes you could go to were normal LE classes. So every NRA instructor class that I could find that your tax dollar would pay for, I went to. Mm -hmm. I went to every Missouri High Patrol class they put on, winning confrontations, instructor level classes, all those things. So I went to, you know, the first year I went to probably a dozen training classes. I was probably more on the road to learning than I was work. Um, everybody else was paying for it, so it was great. And ammo was plentiful, and nine millimeter was five dollars a box, and it was great. Um, so I, I got that, you know, that that thing they indoctrinate to you that you know, um, it, we're teaching cops. Nobody was teaching anybody public wise back then. You know, we, we went to guys, 
we went to guys down in Galena and John Shaw and, and probably a lot of people have never heard of anybody now with the big names out there now. Mm. You would not, you know, you know, Bill Rogers and, and, oh, and guys that, no. that, you know, Safariland fame and everything yeah. else. Um, but there was, it's not the preponderance of net, like things out there now where you can just take a weekend and go to anybody that's the top name and go there. There were few and far between. So, um, you know, you, you got what you have, but it was very strict, very strict LE. I mean, you know, when we were doing, supposedly you were doing super secret stuff, you shouldn't teach anybody in the public, and it was all BS. But I mean, it was, it was the stuff you had. So yeah, basic fundamentals, drawing the gun out, getting good hits on target. Not a lot of work on, you know, because qualifications were qualifications. That was the thing, it still is the thing a lot. Not a lot of work on efficiency. So, uh, so, you know, getting the gun up, but not teaching you how to get the gun up. This is the draw, this is how we do it, get to it and let's go. Um, you know, Kansas City, Missouri, in, in the academy, was very rigid in their stuff they did. There was not a lot of outside thinking out of, you know, we need to do this. This is what wins gunfights, shoot fast, shoot often, shoot till he falls, or you get the hell out of the way, or find mm -hmm. cover, or whatever you're doing. And, and very minimal use of, like, finding cover, or, or very little stress on reloading a six-shot revolver. Because, um, you know, you're using speed strips or loose rounds, and it's mm. like, like, this is going to take a while to yeah. have another gun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so from that I went to with, when, when, now, and, and CCW was very rigid too, starting from that transition, so it was good for me. Because I was that guy, I'm that list guy, man, I gotta do this, 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 and I gotta get it out of the way. And then I started going to see some other people to learn to shoot. And when I really started to learn to shoot around 2000, and people were making me stretch my mind about what I needed to teach, and I'm looking at guys like Ron Avery, and I'm mm. looking at guys like Paul Howe, and even though they were military on some of the guys, and, mm -hmm. and Ken Hackathorn, I went to see Larry Vickers, oh, and yeah. and you know I took classes from these guys, and it's like, okay, this is this is we need to we need to know because I, I, I'm, all I'm doing up till then is I'm doing it by rote, lesson plan, lesson plan, lesson. I'm even greater writing a lesson plan, yeah. and 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 then I thought, you need to know why you're doing this. Because you, if somebody asked you why you're teaching this, you'd say because they told me that's the way we've done it. That's a big thing in law enforcement. Yeah. So I started to find out why. That was the that was the, the the thing. Now and now the same thing. Why are we doing this? What makes it work? How can we be more efficient? What's the technique? And where's the application for Joe Blow off the street? So so now it's become hey scenario based. A lot of scenario based. So when I look at building my drills, you know, so when you design a course, at least I do. I'm looking at drills to build a certain skill, and then I take that skill and build on that block to move it into a scenario as best we can. Now it's range scenario, so you know it's not real life. You know you're going home most likely at the end of the day. Even force on force is that way. Mm -hmm. um, but now I look at, hey, can we do this better? Do I get input from the kids, the kids, the, the students? Um, what do they think? What's going on in their life? Do they drive a car 90, 90 hours a week? Do they, are they a stay-at-home mom? Where does this need to fit in and then where does it need to fit in with the gun they're picking and what do we need to work on? So even though it might be like a class coming up this weekend like um, defensive handgun skills, right? Mm -hmm. Then the base class, drawing the gun, getting on target, using the gun one-handed. Each student might get a different application of, hey, this is what I need you to be able to do. This is where the gun's going to be. You don't need a holster because you're not going to conceal carry, but the gun's coming up off the table. So now we need to be able to get up off the table, out of the holster, and up on target. So. Yeah, it's, I hope I think I've evolved into a more thinking instructor to where we can piece it together for each person where it needs to be. So very specific, very professionally designed for that person, but we're still following the general guidelines of what needs to be done with the gun. And you know, safety above all, and then and then we gotta get the gun out, we've gotta get hits on target, we have to be able to repeat that out on demand, um, and then we can move into the areas where we need to 
do. So moving to cover, shooting and moving if it's applicable. Um, there's some things that are some things that are still you know like the holy grail of things that people want to learn that you don't you don't see in a whole lot of fights. Um, but but you know I think the myths are slowly getting busted by a lot of people, um, and I think a lot of people are still going back to the fundamentals of, of, of you know. Of the, of the basic stuff, draw, shoot, hit, accuracy, speed, technique, efficiency, and then adapting it to what you need to do. So, so what would be different for a cop might be different for the guy that's you know delivering beer during the week and is defending his home with his rifle rather than mm. the cop defending his rifle with a rifle. So it's different on that, you know. So, for instance, in, in, in all this scenario-based really now training that we're moving into, um, lights, weapon-mounted lights, handheld. Where, where I like them all. <laughs> so no, I, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm a I'm a light geek. All, I have like drawers of them. All right, surefires and streamlights and yeah. O lights and um, so you know uh, so so going coming from giant D cell battery rechargeable <laughs> lights that we used for batons back in the 1980s to um, to um, you know a little light now that costs 40 bucks that has. Yeah. Okay, 10 times as many lumens. I looked, I looked the right other now. day. Yeah, same thing. I looked at my first light the other day for my pistol, and it was a, it was a Surefire. It was their beginning S200. That you, it was 200 or 100. It was, it was like 90 lumens. Yeah. And we we got, we had guys make custom Kydex holsters, just like 2000. And when it first came out, or it was 2001. And we would we would practice, and this was stupid. Looking back now. We would practice bringing it out, pulling our gun out while we're walking up on a building, throwing that bad boy on and getting ready to go in. Oh, and it's like, car checks, we'd use them for flashlights in our hand because right. they were brighter than our car lights. And and so we worked on them that way. Um, so, so you know, handhelds for sure. You, you, if you're gonna carry a gun, you need a light. Absolutely. Um, no Absolutely. matter what you do, I need to be able to get out. I need to be able to find a bad guy. I need to find something if I drop it. I need to, I need to see it. So lumens wise, you know, if I need to replace the sun, I need a good light. If I need to just have enough light to go, I'm cool. Most of the guys you see running now are probably running somewhere to three to 500 lumens for mm -hmm. most of their carry lights, um, which is probably a good place to be. I got 2,000 lumen light in the car. I can light up my whole pasture on the one side. It's great, but I don't use it for work <laughs> or for anything else. Dee loves it, so she can see the horses at night. Yeah. Um, weapon mounted lights, I think if, if your job employee is carrying a gun all the time, I think you should have a weapon mounted light on there. So if you're a cop, eh, you should have one. Um, you, and that should have one. It, it's, a, it's a benefit to you. Long guns and rifles, for sure. For home stuff, you probably need one on there to make it work. Yeah. Now, now, so but, but going to lights. I mean, a lot of. St I, I learned from a different type of guy for lights. I learned from a guy named Ken Good, who okay. probably wrote the definitive book on fighting at night. All right. He, he used to run Stratagos out here. Yeah. He started out with Surefire a long time ago. He's on the West Coast now. He's got some stuff going on with triggers and lights. So so. You know, even with a rifle, I'm running a handheld light. So I'm running a handheld light. I'm out here lighting up where I need to be. My rifle's here. I'm kind of floating out in the air with it. It's tucked or it's up against my shoulder. Yeah. And then as I'm moving, right, I'm going to come up on this guy, light him up. Boom, I find him. I'm going to transition to my rifle, light him up with that, and then I'm going to shoot him as I go. That's interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to work on floating the gun out there. And, and using the light for finding, searching, or whatever I'm doing. But then at that, that time, if possible, I'm going to bring that gun up on the light, drop this down, hit my tape switch, and I'm going to mm -hmm. go on my way. So it, it's a hard thing to do. It's real hard for me to get used to. Um, and I, when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's the biggest bunch of crap I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> 
Because, man, my hand's already there. Why yeah, should I do yeah. that? And then they, when they explained why, they're like, ooh, I get that now. That's yeah. cool. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think they've come a ton of ways. You know, they're, they're mm -hmm. great for what you want to do. Um, but yeah, I think, I think job-wise, specific-wise, you know, guys buy lights to buy lights, man. Yeah. Says, <laughs> we love them, a million the lumens on there, I'm going to light a piece of paper on fire. <laughs> I want to have a light. Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I got probably 20 of them in the car. So, so yeah, you know, like, like okay, so we're, we're, we've got a low-light class coming up this weekend, right? So we're going to mm -hmm. run that with yeah. defensive pistol. So, so it'll be the basics of, of using a flashlight, a couple, three techniques that work really well. We'll throw some weapon lights on there for them so they can see what they're like. Because they, they, yeah. they do work well for their, for their very niche thing. They work really well for what you want to do. Um, and then, um, then we'll do what should be done in low light shooting is varying light conditions. So mm. we shine lights on them. We shine lights behind them. We put shadows on targets. Um, we cause their light not to work at the most inappropriate time. We have them shoot in not total darkness, but pretty close after they identify the target. But in that one step, the light doesn't come back on, or I have a misstep, or my thumb doesn't hit it. I know where he's at, I know where he's a bad guy, and let's see how our shooting skill stacks up to keeping the gun on target. Um, you know, we talk about night sights and, and things along those lines and all the stuff you can buy out there, yeah. Yeah. Chuck Haggard always tells a story about <laughs> the night that he went in this back in the day, you know, he was 30 years with Topeka PD, and uh, <laughs> We didn't, I think it might have been the 45 or 65 lumen, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> old light. And bat, and they were, and he was tracking a murder suspect. And his light went out. Oh, yeah. In a basement. Of course. He said, dude, I've never come so close to grabbing a pan. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> and the lights were yellow, so, too. It wasn't white yeah. light. It was like a traffic light kind and of and glow to it. I, th I think that's how it went. And Chuck, if, you, if you're watching, you can correct me. But uh, Oh, they always and, did. But, yeah. And, and, and uh, he t tells that story, and, and I've heard it about three different times. But it, it just, uh, yeah, and now we think, you have, you have what, 250 lumens? Oh, yeah. And three lights on you? God, oh, yeah. That ain't, that ain't enough. You got 500,000, man. Yeah, guys have got lights on their vest, their outer vest. They've got two lights on them here. They got a weapon mount light. Oh, yeah. They'll yeah. never run out of lights. It's not, <laughs> it'll never happen to this generation. They have you, plenty of lights. Do you use a, a uh, no, I use a dual fuel, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, what? 1A? Yeah, AA battery and that. Uh, well, or, no. yeah. The, I don't even remember what. It's a Streamlight. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the model number here. Protect. It is a Protac 1L, mm -hmm. 1AA. Yeah. So you can use AA's as well as CR123. CR right. What do, you, what do you use over there? So this is the the newer one out. This is the uh, Streamlight Micro, the Macro Stream 500 oh, Lumens Charger. So, I, I, I was, so I've got this one, I've got one like that, but the mm -hmm. double one, the double batteries yeah. on it. So I, I've got this one a couple of weeks ago just to try it. So far I like it. So I throw it in the car and charge it when I'm driving. Mm -hmm. Get it out when I have it, it's always charged up, throw it home when I got it. I'll probably pick up another one to have two because it's just, I'm a, yeah, I, need, I, need, two, I need more, yeah. apparently. And um, yeah, so I'm digging the rechargeables just to see what I do on batteries. Um, yeah. We'll see how it works. I don't know. So, I like how it's a little smaller tube than the other one I have, so it's just not bad. Of, of the shootings that you've seen, you know, of students, mm -hmm. how many of them have been during night or evening transitioning light? Okay, so the one in Chicago earlier this year, that was a hairy one. Um, he was in a hotel, so it was minimal light. Nighttime, mm. just come back, hallways, rooms just lighting up. So, you know, 
lot, probably a lot less than this. Just just figure your house in dusk. So yeah. you know that ambient light, whatever you have. The guys at Rock Hill was broad daylight. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. So the only different light would be you know the guys shooting from inside the van, outside the van, whatever's going on there. Um, let's see. The coppers in the last few years, probably half of them were in low light. Now they weren't using flashlights though. Um, mm. one, one of them was against a guy with a sword, um, and that was at nighttime. But it was street light; you could see what was going on. Yeah. No need for a light there. Um, the guys up in, in Decap County were that was daylight. Um, that was that was an interesting one. That was a failure for a rifle on one of them, and then uh, um, the other guy picked it up with the crappiest sight in the world. Um, <laughs> so for all you high dollar sight guys. It was a Seymour, no, it was a Sightmark Zombie Edition oh. <laughs> red dot sight that saved the day um, on an AR yeah. um, by a guy who could buy a lot more expensive sights, but he bought that one, I don't know why, because uh, he has a lot more money and saved it that way, yeah. I guess. I don't know. But um, I would say probably, looking back, 60-40, 60 daytime, oh, 40, really? 40 not pure daylight. Might be inside yeah. a house, might be nighttime, whatever. Mm -hmm. Probably... I don't remember anybody telling me they were using a flashlight ever. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, you know, you know, when you look at most shootings with police officers, you look at all the ones out there now, even the bad ones or what's going on, you know, nobody's having a flashlight. There's nobody. Hmm. You know, even though nowadays, you know, like if we were if we were teaching a class on on, you know, a building search or whatever's mm -hmm. going on, now I'm making guys that have weapon lights, cops use their weapon lights during the day when they're coming into a building because everything has bad spots in it. So if I can get a, you know, my, my stream light now and my Surefire on my pistol or run a thousand lumens, that's a crazy number for what we used to have. Yeah. And you put that in somebody's face and it, it priced them up pretty good. Um, you know, as long as it's somebody I might be able to shoot, hopefully, or, or I'm thinking about it, um, whatever we're doing these days. But yeah, I think, I, think, I think we play a lot with flashlights and weapon mounted lights when realistically we probably have enough ambient light to do most things we do. I mean, I, I like the old, the old saying, you know, all dark holes have bad things in them because it keeps me on my toes where I need to be. I mean, the worst thing, like Chuck had talked about, you know, in that story you told, mm. the worst thing I hated doing was going into a building search. Yeah. Those were I, terrible. I hated it. The pucker factor was really high. Yeah. And, and, you know, we'd always try and get a dog. We had the luxury here of, you know, you could grab a dog, throw somebody in, get a couple of big young guys, throw them in because you don't care about them. And, <laughs> and they had not a lot invested in them yet. Um, but you know, yeah, that's what—that's the time where it was. You know, when you're out here like doing some FBI thing, like hopefully oh, I yeah, remember yeah. what's going on, and the, yeah. and the light only ends up by your head because you're getting lazy. And it's like, you know, this is only by the grace of God do we survive many things because <laughs> um, we were stupid and we were poorly trained, and and we weren't poorly trained. We didn't know any better at the time. We didn't we didn't know what we needed to know like we do now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think. I use my light a million times to work on my car, look in the barn, find yeah. stuff in the trunk. Oh, heck yeah. And, and in that advantage, it helps me out a ton. Um, with my gun, I can't remember a time, you know, looking at Kansas City, it's not a big metropolitan city. It's, it's normal size, it's good size. But realistically, you know, in the course of, in the course of, you know, however many years I was there, 14, 15, 16 years, when I was on the street for the first eight years before I went to violent crimes, I probably pointed my gun at people every day. I mean, every day, probably multiple times a day. Really? Yeah, man. You got car stops with felony car stops, stolen yeah. cars, building checks, ped checks, parties armed. I mean, you know, you were doing 20 calls a day, and and you were going on stupid stuff, especially in the mid '80s when everybody was shooting everybody. So the gun was always out. I don't remember a time period when I that I can remember in my head, and I don't know if remember where I had my flashlight on somebody with my gun out that I had to use it. There was always just enough like car light, something there. I could, I could see they had a gun. I see had a knife. 
um, or you know, I thought he had one of those things when we were in that prep mode, getting ready to go, and and that's where we were. Yeah, mm. and, you know, it just wow. I, it, you know, it, you had that big D ring, and you put your flashlight on half the time, it didn't come out. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah it, however, the firemen always had the good flashlights. They had great stuff, true, man. Yeah, my, my father-in-law was a, he was assistant fire chief for many years. Yeah, they had stuff that was did. way ahead of ours. It was <laughs> like you know they could cut through the smoke and yeah. see your bones inside your body and stuff. Oh yeah. No, uh, but uh, it is interesting. I think you know for PID, you know, within a home defense environment, um, that's the thing. Yeah. I've always kind of when I train people, you know, you've got to, dude. Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, there was a sheriff in Indiana that accidentally shot his daughter yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't, I couldn't, I, just to live with yourself would be horrible. I mean, you know, if it was somebody, you know, we've twice I've had it happen, you know, when I was younger, way younger, and then um, not, but though, I mean, about six years ago or so, we had somebody, he was drunk, yeah. thought he, you know, was at his house. And, and I was prepped. Oh, happens, yeah. But I had enough light where I could, you know, I could tell what was going on, and then he finally decided to leave. Yeah. But uh, never actually, you know, came across the threshold. So, um, but still, I mean, to be able to PID, you um, got to. That's positive identification. Sorry, I'm using these <laughs> terms, but um, yeah, when you're throwing a rifle around, it's that's that's the thing for me personally. I've always this is personal. Um, I've always gone to handheld and, and non-weapon mounted light. Um, even with my home defense set up with handgun, I do have one on my rifle. Yeah. But in mine on my rifle is 700 lumens and I can bounce with it. So you could bounce the pistol too, I mean you know that, mm -hmm. but I can bounce it off the floor, off the ceiling and I can keep it low ready and I don't yeah. have to actually you know, go to guns with it. And, with a handgun yeah. and I'm coming around a corner, you know, with a 500 lumen light or whatever, I don't know, but it just makes me really nervy that I'm pointing a gun at someone who may not need no gun pointed at. I think, I think we're getting, we're starting to get past that a little bit. So like, like I've noticed with, so like on my, on my rifle, I'm running 1500 lumens off a of Surefire. Mm -hmm. And on my shotgun, I'm running the same light. And then mm -hmm. and pistol, I'm running a thousand lumens off it with a Surefire that with a Streamlight. I've noticed that with working with it at home and stuff and just down the barn and things along those lines and, and out in the back 40 in the dark, dark, and then caves, which is extremely dark, a great environment. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, getting enough, I'm getting enough feedback off the, off the corona and the spill of the light, not the mm -hmm. hot spot, where I can, I can pretty much see the whole guy with what happened. It's getting up there to that point where um, if you look at you know, a rifle and I've got it at a low rate of press rate, whatever mm -hmm. ready you want to call anything, yeah. and I've got my pistol in the same spot, the muzzles are in the same spot, and I'm getting enough feedback off the light, I can actually see it working. So it's getting better. I mean, eventually, you know, probably in five years, we're going to have like 10,000 lumen handheld <laughs> lights, you know, that it's going to cause the guy to just burst into flames yeah. when you fire at him. Um, and we'll all buy them, or at least one the of 45, them. Yeah. Just point just the light point at him. Just point the light him, at him, right? You know? And it'll blind, you'll, you know, then you'll be getting sued because you blinded him and he can't see now. Yeah. Um, have a good lawyer. But yeah, have a good lawyer. Give me a light lawyer. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I agree on that 100%. I think, you know, we we train a lot of stuff. You When you look at a drill, you know, we're, we're shooting a target mm -hmm. and we're doing it on command and there's no thought process in it whatsoever. There's none. There's none. Mm -hmm. So in, in designing drills, I, I do things in a lot of classes after the basic classes that I'm trying to 
put into that space where between pulling the trigger and hitting the target, they actually have to think about what they're doing. So when people talk about shoot, no shoot scenarios, that's great, which you should do. I try and do that every class where we're past the normal stuff, the beginning stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to interject decision-making into that too so we fill that time. Because you know, whatever time you believe, a quarter second, a third of a second, whatever it is to decide I need to shoot this guy, I have that legal standing to do it. I can't just pull the trigger at that time and make it by rote. I have to put something in there. So giving people different things to shoot at, different different ideas, different places, different spots, different targets, different things to do. Not shoot this target, shoot this target. You want to develop so they know what this, you know, we talk about cadence and shooting. You know, I want to shoot a shot real close in a quarter of a second or a .20 split or a 15 split. And I want to shoot that target at three to five yards in a, in a, in a you know, a third of a second, at seven yards and a half a second. You know, you look at LAPD, they do things very succinctly. They teach their guys to shoot at one speed. That's around every half a second. Okay. That's one and two and three and four and five. Mm -hmm. And they figure that's enough time for them to decide to shoot or not, or not to shoot. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's I mean, I, you know, everything is, everything's a system. And you don't want to get attached to that. But I think we need to start doing more along those lines rather than just running drills all the time. And I like running drills. It builds skills, yada, yada, yada. But it'll get to a certain point where your skills are really well enough to get it done. And let's be honest. Most of the people that go to a class, they can get the job done if they had to. If it was pure shooting, they would win. The question is, will they make the right decision doing the shooting, and will they make the right decision on what tactical stuff they're going, am I gonna to move to cover? Am I mm -hmm. going to shoot one-handed? Am I gonna grab my kid and move out of the way? Can I keep the gun on target accurately? Their basic skill is probably there. I mean, realistically, most people win gunfights with no training whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the idea behind training is we get a better outcome for those ones that don't end up well. But um, yeah, I think, you know, we need to make sure we're putting in somewhere in their training, we're compartmentalizing, that's not a good word, we're putting in that block where they need to make that decision, is this someone I need to shoot? Hmm. Very good. Let's get next, SRT group. Okay, cool. Welcome back to the Bull Podcast. I'm Lyle Cadell, the media manager here at the bullet hole in Kansas City or Overland Park as it would be and uh, always I do want to forgot to mention last time uh, in the break that we uh, we were powered up by custom-built firearms manufacturing from right here at the bullet hole uh, we do build our own line of ARs and you can get one here uh, at the bullet hole and uh, our theme is whether it's at the home at home or at the range or in the field it's custom built for life. So come and check them out uh, here at the Bulldog. I'm sitting here with Bill again, Bill Regina of SRT Group. Explain to us, we're gonna get into a, kind of an infomercial <laughs> for SRT Group. So SRT stands for? Specialist Research and Training. Okay. And still. <laughs> so if, if, if somebody wants to look up, how, how they, they're gonna go to? I can go to the website. And it is? www.srt-group.com. There you go. And uh, also, you're you're Facebook, on you're on the Instagram, the gram and yeah. stuff, all that stuff, yeah. yeah. So, and that'll be in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. It'll be in the description down below. But um, actually, I'll put it in the description too for for the podcast. But um, and you and you started SRT 17 years ago, or was okay? So 2003. You, hmm? so you, I mean, that's official. Had, that was the official public. You know, yeah. we started teaching people outside of law enforcement deal yeah. and making money that way. Yeah. yeah. So. 
Now, what kind of classes do you have coming up? And okay. what do you offer? Okay. And how can, you know, if people are interested in like, man, I want to learn from this okay. guy. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what, what do so, you got? So, man? you know, lately with, with everybody buying guns, um, you know, we've been doing a ton of, ton of CCW classes. We do those three times a month and then private groups. Beginners classes, two or three of those Kansas, a month. Kansas, Missouri. Kansas, Missouri, yeah. yeah. And we do them here. We always think here at the bullet hole, um, 90% of it. Um, rifles will eventually do them once we're done with yeah. ready for that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, right now that's really popular. People are buying guns at an unprecedented amount. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every week. I, I could probably fill every day teaching beginner stuff if I wanted to, but I don't want to, so I don't. Um, that's the nice thing about working for yourself. Um, so yeah, you know, that, those two things take up a lot of time. And I, I like teaching beginners a lot because they're basically, you know, they don't know anything. So I can steer them the way I want, good or bad, and get them thinking about what they need to do. And, and probably, you know, part of the time I send them to something, they end up doing something different than what they originally planned because they're, you know, they got their information from their buddy or YouTube or something out there and, you know, it, it didn't work out well. Or, or, you know, they go the other way, whatever it is. Um, yeah, and then like, you know, we do, after that, after those basic classes and, and private lessons or whatever you want to call them, one-on-one -on -one stuff, that's probably, the, and realistically, folks, the best way to learn to use a gun, the best way in the beginning is to do a private one-on-one -on -one instruction with a good instructor. I don't care if it's me or anybody else, bang for your buck, your best money spent Amen. is having somebody teach you on the, on, on, on the, on the private session. Yeah. Either one or two people with you, husband and wife, it's the best way to spend your money. It, it, it's just made right for you. It, it works how you want to work. Um, groups are great, but you know you, you don't get that, that personal attention. And then after that, we got stuff, you know, I call them our, 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 our next level classes or whatever you want to call them as far as what people are looking for. So like basic defensive handgun, most of these are four hour courses, 60, 70 bucks around there, 100 rounds of ammo, 150 rounds. We're going to the basics, you know, low light shooting for this weekend and, and drawing a handgun and being efficient. And then we, then if you want to call them other stuff, like this weekend we taught a class on, um, we call the class, I, 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 I I designed it after a guy in Ohio who's, who's done the class for years. He's retired now, a captain out there, um, called Armed Vehicle Operations. Mm -hmm. and, and all it is is, I, I change it every class. So this class was heavy on public violence when you're at your vehicle. Mm -hmm. So the stuff we've seen lately. Yeah. What do I want to do? Do I want to get out? Do I want to leave? And stuff like that. So we, we looked at that a lot. We shoot a lot from the class. Mostly it involves handguns. I have the guys bring rifles so they can see how they work around things. Um, and that's down in Fort Scott. That's in Fort Scott at our range, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's 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 a, it's definitely for somebody that's got their their gun stuff on. Drawing from a holster in a vehicle mm -hmm. is different for a lot of people. You have to watch things. Um, so that's up there, you know. And then and then performance handgun. I am not a a, a my performance handgun is not what you think it'd be for, for competition guys. If I was going to do something for competition, I'd go to a guy like Merle Eddington mm -hmm. and have him teach me because he's 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 on that level. He's way above where where I would be on that. Um, and he does great classes. But I would, you know, I do stuff for the, for the guy that's the normal Joe that's not competing that wants to be faster in the defensive realm. So what makes you get your gun out quicker? Well, everything is based on technique. Technique breeds efficiency, it just does. Um, I need to take out the things that are not working and not doing anything, and I need to put in things or just keep what I need to keep. So in movement, the same thing. Minimal number of steps, get me to where I need to be, find my cover, use it when I get to it, no matter where I am, and work on stuff. So those are things we work on in that. And then, you know, the normal rifle classes and shotgun classes and, and, and things along those lines. So we cover it all. Um, we do a submachine gun class um, for MP5s, <laughs> and, and uh, not very often, but we do them a couple, three times a year. But yeah, you know, the, the meat and potatoes, though, is handguns, 
um, for sure. Um, personal defense, getting good with it, um, being really super fast if you want to be super fast. I mean, I got guys that are, you know, these young guys, they're smoking these things. Yeah. They're, they're doing, you know, they're drawing from, from the holster, 0 0.8, 0 0.75, getting hits on target, 75 to 70 yards. I mean, they're smoking hot. I mean, you know, I, I pretend to do stuff, but that's about there yeah, they're really right. going. I'm yeah. not there. These guys are dry fired, you know, every day, and, and they have no other life, and that's cool. Um, but I'm, I'm old and lazy. <laughs> so if you want to get a hold of them again, it's srt-group.com. Group mm -hmm. Get on the gram, too, yep. or on Facebook. Yep. And I'm sure you, and I know, I know yeah, yeah. his events are on there. And, yep. and some of them are hooked in with us here, yep. too, at the Bulldog. You Bowl. guys put them out. Mm -hmm. And uh, the caves, you do some stuff, too. Yeah, we do and caves. We do some competitions, too, gun stuff and stuff there. out there. Yeah, 90% of it's here. And then but. down at Fort Scott. One thing that I've... Um, in, I've talked to a lot of instructors and done some myself and all that type of thing, but um, you know, people are in predominantly three different places. They're either at home, they're in their car, they're at work. Mm -hmm. And contextualized teaching, um, I really kind of have you know, that bend. Um, everybody thinks about, well, I'm going to get robbed, I'm going to get, you know, mugged, mm -hmm. you know, all this type of thing, or they're going to try to rape, rape my wife type of the stuff out in public. And the majority of the things you see happen within those three contexts, oh, yeah, you sure. know. And so if you don't train within context, then you're probably going to be at a disadvantage. So I'm really cool. That's, that's cool with that, that the vehicle. A lot of people don't train, man. I, you know, they don't think about what it's like to train in a vehicle and yeah. you let off you know, people think well if i let off a nine mil in a vehicle i'm not going to be deaf <laughs> coach right sometime might be for a minute or two yeah it'll be loud yeah you know and you and you, you, you yeah you touch on a big thing and a lot a lot of things now say you know gear sales yeah you know the aftermarket for guns. <laughs> the aftermarket for guns is twenty times bigger than the gun market. Yeah. You know, it's billions yeah. and billions of dollars. You know, how many how many companies make stuff for Glock? I mean, and ARs. Jeez Louise, you can yeah. add them up all day. There's probably a thousand that come up on the internet. Um, so you know, like like for the class this last weekend, half the guys were doing their running gear. When I say running gear, they're mm. they're CCW yeah. gear. Other yeah. half guys were zooped out in you know ALSs and ALS. And that's cool. I get it. We're we're getting there. But yeah, a lot of people don't actually train at all in their CCW no. stuff, which they should. You know. And that's something that I've noticed in so many classes uh, that I've been in or have been a part of is we do the strong side out of uh, an ALS or a, you know, you know, a drop a, you leg know, or whatever yeah, you want to call it now, whatever. a low ride. You know, there's all kinds of, you know. <laughs> and so we'll do all these reps, right, for like all day long or two day class. Okay, and that's great. I'm not against that guy. No, there's I'm, I'm not pooping no, on that. And then I'm gonna go live the rest of my days. Bell up here. Yeah. Or it's at three o'clock or yeah, whatever four, else. Whatever. Yeah. And I've got to defeat a garment. So what's gonna happen when that when crap goes down? I mean, I hate to use that term, but mm -hmm. I mean when crap goes down, the bad stuff happens. Where's my Where's my hand gonna be? You know, that's and that's you know. You know, I do appendix carry up here in yeah, a little yeah. fat boy. I do too. But in the car, it works great. I mean, yeah. you know, I put my shirt back, I got my belt down yeah. below, yeah. and I'm right there, ready to go. Um, you know, when the cops show up, they're going to stop me, or sometimes just throw my shirt over while they walk up, and no harm, no foul, don't ask, don't tell. And um, <laughs> I, I, 
Yeah, I know. I, the big, I'll tell you what, the biggest thing I see on force on force training, we do quite a bit. We probably do a class a month on, on shooting. UTMs other, or UTMs? UTMs. Yeah. And Sims we use for the rifles and shotguns, UTMs for the pistols. Yeah, yeah. Um, the biggest thing you see a lot is when people start moving and drawing their gun mm. is, is garment grabs that don't work and they end up shooting through their, their, their yes. shirt and not getting it up far enough. And, and you know, it's, it's, training is all artificial. You know, you know you're going to go home at the end, even with Sims, even if you look like, you know, you have smallpox <laughs> or something, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we don't think about those things. You're right. And it's easy to draw a gun from a from a from an asshole from the side. I mean, easy. It's not easy. You've got retention. You have to defeat and things like sure. that. But nowadays, we've made it so much easier. If you look on the gram, and nothing to bag on those guys. Everybody's got their gun right up here by their thigh. Yeah. Right where their hand lays. Where yeah. I never carried a gun in my life. Um, now, if I was a SWAT guy, maybe I would be, or whatever those guys do. I'm not that guy. But I mean, it's it's the gun moves and the guns in the hand, which is mm. cool. I get that. But that's not where my gun really is. Sure. And I'm never standing perfectly still at the range. And I. I, I need to put some more realistic stuff. Like you said, you know, a lot of people coming out now, they're buying guns, probably half, mm -hmm. only want the gun for home defense. Mm -hmm. Because they figure, hey, bad guys are gonna show up, protesters are gonna show up, we saw the people out in St. Louis, yeah. I need a gun. Yeah. Okay, maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't care either way. You bought one already, now you're stuck with it. So now we need to learn how to use it safely. So, you know, we can't leave it laying in the house bare naked. That's no good. We have to have some way to secure it. We have to have something to have it in. I need a holster for my gun at home. Yeah, you need a holster for your gun at home because it can't sit on the top of the table by itself. Um, you got to keep it in the bucket, as the guy would say. So, so I, need to, I need to work it that way. Um, and then, you know, like you said, so home defense is big. You know, realistically, if you look at statistics, half of self-defense shootings take place in the home. Sure. So we need to we need to do that application and IDing who I'm shooting, right? Absolutely. You know, I, I you know I remember Dee jumping out of bed one night at one o'clock in the morning because the dog started going and she sees the, the the that cameras. My wife is a security freak, all right, and and she's probably watching me right now on some drone or satellite, <laughs> and um, she sees this this. Our, our house is gated. There's there's all kinds of security stuff. So so she sees this body coming over the back gate. So she grabs up in her nightgown with her shotgun. She uses a, a Mossberg SA20 with a light on and a, and a dot. And I'm like, where are you going? And she goes, I gotta go see what it is. I go, well, make sure you don't shoot the right person because I'm pretty sure that's our son. And my son, this big lugs, forgot his key to the gate in the opener. He's, He's hopping over, the fence. Yeah. I'm like, oh man. I'm like, dude, you can't do that anymore. Your mom's insane. And, and she's gonna shoot you or me and you know and Dee knows all this so she's you know she's she's cool with it she's a good but lady she's real oh yeah, yeah she's yeah you know, she's the best all right um but yeah you know we need to and she teaches with me and she knows all about yeah. guns so she's yeah. she's good with it she's she's not crazy um but yeah i think you know and then business violence you know we do we know active shooter school yeah it's a big thing i know you got to prep for it but realistically workplace is more two to one mm. two to one and you know, so if you if you are that guy that's security there, or you know you they, you're your own business guy and you're allowed to carry a gun there, you know we do a class on on public violence where we set up counters and you know you're at Quick Trip and what should you do? I'm going to help you load up the money and let you leave, and I'm going to give you everybody else's money too and get you the heck out of yeah. here. Um, and then you know in the car, the cars are a big deal. So you know yeah. I, I tell people when they buy their gun. And if you can't get to a class, unload your gun, sit in your car. Where are you going to put it? The glove mm. box doesn't work for most people. Mm. You know, it's it's a different world in there. Yeah, and I mean, people don't realize what it's like to shoot through a windshield, what it does to trajectory, and a, there's a whole lot. And we could sit here all day long oh, and talk yeah. about all this stuff. But so, you need to get with Bill or some. You know, that's who we're talking to today. And I, I'd encourage you. I mean, if you're maybe down in the southeast Kansas area, or 
I don't even know. It's far from Wichita. That oh, we got people come from everywhere. We had three guys from know. Wichita this weekend and guys from up north and everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got a great range out south. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get in touch with Bill. Do some do some vehicle training. Um, and also, there's probably a little legal thought that goes into that as we well. We do all stuff. You know, every yeah. time I do a class, I cover, this is what state law says you can yeah. do. This is yeah. what you need to fill. You need to know those things. You know, the whole goal is, you know, our goal should be making smarter people with guns, mm -hmm. making smarter shooters. That's what we need to do. That's that's my goal. I want people to be informed and know why they're doing this and, and be able to articulate why they shot this guy. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you're going to, if it ends up that you're going to set before 12 people, yeah. you're going to have to articulate why. You need to know why, why you did that. And you need to sound like somebody that knows what they were talking about. Being yeah. stupid with a gun is tough. <laughs> it's like, what was it? Life is tough if you're stupid. Yeah, you know, yeah, you better be tough if you're going to be stupid. Quote. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and so look him up. Look Bill up. Again, we can sit here talking. If, if you want, we can come back and talk again. Because uh, we could talk all day. We're both talkers. But uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. We enjoyed it so much. This is I mean, great. Yeah. I actually so, hate sitting down and doing stuff yeah. like this. But this is fun. Yeah, yeah I had a good so, time. Good to have you. Um, check our website out uh, as well as uh, you, fundamentally what you're going to find is, is on our Facebook page. And uh, so check it out, Bullet Hole KC. And also check us out on the gram. And we repost some yeah. Bill stuff too. So uh, as well as other people's. So equal opportunity. Uh, but, <laughs> there you go. That's right. Doesn't then, matter. Get some train. Doesn't matter where you go to. So and uh, also follow us right here uh, on the podcast. You can get a hold, you can listen to it. Uh, on uh, man good night we're on overcast now breaker and um spotify and itunes and everything else so uh make sure you, you listen to it uh, while you're driving down the highway or whatever you got a little, little time to do the jog thing throw the ipod or the the, the earpods in and and uh, you can listen jogging what's that yeah it's one of those things that other people do that you and i don't do you got a sandwich maybe <laughs> and, and, and walking Speak, walk speak, okay speak, walk, walk yes yeah uh, whatever you're doing, or 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 just uh, uh, make sure that you that you subscribe. Uh, and uh, we don't uh, we don't earn a lot of money or anything off of it. Or we're doing it for you guys, and we love you all. And uh, make sure that you check out Bill and SRT Group. So, till next time. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, Bill. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Take Bye. care and be safe.